They are, of course, the backbone of this batting lineup um, and two players who not only score runs at home but are, have been historically quite good away. So it will be good to have them in form when we take on South Africa and build into a World Test Championship. Welcome back to Cricket Central, the podcast where we discuss all the stories, big and small, for uh, the first day recap um, from the, the first test of Australia against West Indies um, over at Optus Stadium in Perth. Uh, it was an interesting day where Australia won the toss and chose to bat. Um, and really, by the end of the day, gained ascendancy in this match. Um, it was one for 72 at lunch in a tight, tight first session with David Warner being the only one to fall for five runs. Uh, but in the second session, Australia got fairly on top and they were two for 162 by T. We thought there was perhaps a little bit of a fight back in the last uh, few overs before T, um, where they managed to dismiss Usman Khawaja and there were a couple of other chances there as well. Um, but then that third session, um, Australia really capitalised on the hard work early on, I think you would have to say. Um, and by the end of the day, they ended on two for 293 with Manus Labashain bringing up yet another century, 154 he ends on, and Steve Smith on 59. We've got Ethan Prabs with me here. Uh, Ethan, how did you see the first day? Very solid day for Australia. I think you could ask Australians what the perfect day of cricket looks like. We pretty much got it. Um, it was a, a nervy start with Warner being dismissed early, playing a, a loose shot through the covers. But uh, as an Aussie fan, you love watching the Marnus and Steve Smith show and uh, the commentators hyped it up to a, a significant extent. Um, and it was good watching both of them batting, probably, you know, in some of the most fluent fashion that we've seen from them in a number of years. And I think that's really positive to see. They are, of course, the backbone of this batting lineup um, and two players who not only score runs at home, but are, have been historically quite good away. So it'll be good to have them in form when we take on South Africa and build into a World Test Championship. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. I think Marnus brought up his eighth uh, century in his career already. Uh, we sometimes forget he really hasn't been around for that long. Um, and there was an amazing stat going around um, that after 29 tests, he has reached uh, 50 or above 21 times out of 29, which is a, a new record uh, for the Australian team, eclipsing Steve Smith's previous record of, of 20 um 50 plus scores in 29 tests so really he's had you would almost have to say a little bit of a blip um well that's sort of what we thought for most of this year but actually when you do look at it he's still going pretty well and I think he he just uh cemented that fact um yet again today um and as you say Smith looking pretty good also uh from the West Indies side of things um well they, they bowled very tight early on didn't they um it I, I remember I think I was saying to, to Pearson during the coverage, it was almost a little bit like deja vu um, of last summer. Uh, England, they they came here and especially in the first couple tests, they sort of went to that good, sort of back of a back of a length a little bit, slightly too short to really challenge the batsman much, but bowled very tight, didn't let many runs, um, and it was almost sort of the same again today. And while it was tight, would you agree? You just didn't really feel that they were challenging us as much as you probably should be on day one of a test match. Yeah, spot on. I think the way you describe it, it sounds a lot like the first day of the Adelaide Ashes test last mm. last year that we were in attendance of. And England were a bit too short, 
um, that was famous for Root failing to control his his uh, senior quicks. And I think Australia ended up at about two for 200 or something at the end of that day as well. And Minus went on to hit another 100 there too. So, I mean, there's a, a lot of similarities that can be drawn. I think the issue with that attack and probably this attack is it lacks a bit of firepower and a bit of potency. Um, you know, you feel with Mark Wood steaming in that, you know, that pace makes things happen. I don't get the same the same energy from someone like an Elzari Joseph. He's a little slower, um, a little less bounce off the pitch. And while some of their bowlers did get a little bit of movement, it, it all looked fairly comfortable for, for the Australians. So it was tidy and economical from the West Indies, but you're right, I don't think they were ever really in control or dominating the game there or, or looked like a, a decent chance of getting a wicket. And I think from an Australian perspective, um, it was just a, a case of being patient and then cashing in later on. Um, and that, that's what they did. I think any time people straight onto the pads of Steve Smith, he put them away. Um, but he, he was also willing to you know, leave and be tentative towards the offside. So it was good, patient Australian batting and a West Indies attack that probably has some questions to answer um, because I don't think they've figured out how they're going to get 20 wickets. Yeah, and as we, we said, I think, last year in the Adelaide Test as well, a lot of credit does have to go to the Australians for sticking it out, even when the bowling was tight. I think at one point, Labuschagne went 17 bowls um, without scoring. Uh, I think I think that was Holder bowling at that stage, but they stuck it through and there were runs in the end. I guess the question for West Indies, uh, which you alluded to, is do you think they, they could have bowled more aggressively or do you think this is sort of a case of they know that they're not really the the bowling lineup that's going to be able to take um, wickets quickly. So it's sort of a case of just making the game go long by um, by uh, keeping the runs down. Yeah, I think they're in a, a tricky position. I think they showed good signs of attack early on in the day with the five slips, new ball. Um, Sells was was bowling with some energy and, and charging in. But yeah, you do you do sense when players like Holder and, and Mayers are on that. It, it is a bit of preservation and a bit of safety bowling and hoping that the Aussies make a mistake. I think on this wicket, which did look pretty good for batting, while there was some movement, the lack of pace of the West Indian bowlers meant that that movement probably didn't make things dangerous for the batsmen. And I think they're really suffering here from a lack of a quality spinner. I think if they had a, a leggy or an offie who could really hold up an end and, and make things happen, you're always in the game. Um, but I think Ross and Chase is a massive letdown and, and he was loose today as well. Um, so honestly, if you chuck Nathan Lyon in this West Indies team and give Australia Ross and Chase, then the, the picture might look a lot different. Yeah, and just yet another similarity to that Ashes series last year. You've got to remember the, the first test in, in Brisbane, Jack Leach getting hammered everywhere. Uh, Roston didn't get hit quite as badly today, but he was... Uh, well, basically the most, yeah, the equal most expensive of the bowlers with Jaden Seals and did let off a bit of pressure, you felt, when he was bowling. Just to go through a couple of the West Indies stats, Kyle uh, Mayers was really the pick of the bowlers in, in terms of his figures. One for 24, he got in the end, picking up that wicket of Kawaja just before T. One for 63 for, for Jaden Seals, none for 59 for Kemar Rocha, none for 46 for Hazari Joseph. So all pretty tight, as we say. Um uh, but Jaden Seals getting that wicket of Warner, there will be questions asked, uh, starting to be asked a little bit more frequently of David Warner, um, who is 
had a bit of a lean patch, really, um, all things considered. Going back last summer in the Ashes, a couple of 90s, but never really kicked on. And uh, in the tours to Pakistan and Sri Lanka, a couple of 50s. But uh, again, you know, it, I think he's averaging about 30 for, for the past year and a bit or something. Uh, you know, are, are some questions being raised about David Warner's place in the side? I don't think his spot is in jeopardy just yet, but you're right. You, you see talk of it emerging from the surface. Mm-hmm. It's actually quite interesting that you, you could almost say Warner, Labuschagne and Steve Smith have all been, are all in that sort of lean patch. But after Manus is knocked today, he looks good to go. Steve Smith, there's a lot of hype about how he, he feels invincible. And uh, mm-hmm. certainly indication of the last couple of knocks suggests he's back. Um, but David Warner is still where the questions lie. I don't, really think we'll be too keen on bringing Harris back into the side. Um, but certainly Matt Renshaw has showed some promise at the domestic level with a couple of scores. I think he made hundred over 180 runs for one dismissal in that practice game. So if Warner does have a quiet summer, I wouldn't be surprised if questions get asked at the back end of it. But it is important for him to take this chance against this more tame West Indies lineup because I think South Africa will be a formidable challenge. Yeah, that, that's a that's a good point. And I, I think the thing is, when you when you look at some of his dismissals, he doesn't really look like someone who's that out of form. Um, you know, he's been batting pretty well in other formats as well. Even that one today, just was trying to force it a bit, chopped on. You could almost say he was a little unlucky today. So, I think we can maybe wait a little bit for uh, Warner um, before we make the the big move of of dropping him, especially considering the the history um, that he has had throughout his career. Okay, we're, we're just looking on to tomorrow. Um, what are you sort of uh, projecting Australia will do in terms of how long we'll bat? Do you think, uh, is there any chance of, of a West Indies fight back and uh, getting Australia out for anything less than 400? Do you think Do you think that's possible? Or do you think Australia is really in position to set this up with, you know, maybe even a 500 total or something? Yeah, I think I think something like 500 will be the goal. Um, interestingly, Manus Labuschagne has, of his last 300s, failed to pass 110. So he's certainly backscoring the the big daddy tons as they are called. Um, so his focus will be looking in, into the 200s potentially. Um, but Australia will be largely thinking the same as today, just batting long periods of time, keeping wickets in hand. I mean, they've, they've scored a in excess of three runs and over, and they might choose to slightly up that rate. Um, but certainly I'm expecting aggression from Head, Green and Carey after these two are, are done at the crease. And I think Australia will probably be looking to bat for 75 or so overs and send the West Indies in for a tricky patch at the end of the day. If they do manage that, they'll probably close to double their score. So we might be seeing something around the 550, maybe even 600 mark, depending on how the Aussies go. Um, and I, I wouldn't also, I wouldn't be surprised if they did declare a little bit earlier if things are going well also and, and give themselves a full session at the end um, in, in, at this Perth ground with a bit of bounce. Yeah, Travis Head loves these sort of conditions when, when people have already made a few runs as well, doesn't he? So, yeah, I would expect him to, to go out. All guns are blazing there. Final question. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot a bit here. I'm not even sure if you watch the Channel 7 coverage, but Justin Langer, big news. Um, in a commentary position now, he, he went around and shook hands with all the Australian players, uh, which sort of poured cold water on the rumours that he had fallen out with all of them pretty quickly, actually. Uh, but what did you think of his his first day in the commentary seat? 
Yeah, luckily I have been tuning in on Channel Seven. Uh, I thought I thought Jr. was uh, he had a pretty pretty good day in the, in the box. Um, some insightful commentary, and uh, I think he had it, yeah good good comments on on the players. And it, yeah, it did, it did seem from the the clips that they did show that that he still had a pretty warm relationship with them all. And they they seemed pretty pretty cheerful to to see him. He did mention Osman Khawaja's two beautiful daughters about fifteen times, so I thought that was that was interesting. Um, but you know, aside from that, when when the focus was was on the cricket, I, I thought he yeah he had a good stint in the box, and I'm enjoying the the Langer Ponting combination. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Actually, I would I would normally um, switch over to Fox pretty quickly in the day, but I stuck with Channel Seven today. So uh, yeah. That's good. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Ethan. We'll be back tomorrow. Hopefully a little bit more of an even day tomorrow. Anyway, thank you for listening. Goodbye.